0: What is up everybody? I am your host Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Packed, jam-packed episode for you today. We got game six tonight, Boston Celtics versus the Sixers. Sixers are going to close it out. We've got Keith Jones, former co-host of WIPM, broadcaster for the Flyers for many, many years. is now the president of hockey operations. We've got equal schedule nuggets, something hopefully, I hope, breaks during uh during this show and whatnot but uh before we get into that let's bring on kevin kincaid and let's bring on snow the goalie co-host rush joy for the second time today jesus or second time this week jesus christ um what's up fellas how we doing what up what up pumped up keith jones now the the president of hockey ops we're getting some eagles schedule nuggets i think they're going to be uh Two Thursday games, which is, is what I'm, I'm hearing rumors for. So that sucks. Wow. And then uh, Sixers-Celtics game six. I do want to start with game five. We'll, we'll, we'll do that really quickly since we are 48 hours over that. First impressions of it, my first impressions are, and Russ actually might be able to back this up too because he's just as old as me. That was the biggest win of my life, game five, which is either very sad to say or awesome to say. Kev, is it the biggest win of your life, that game five victory over the Celtics?
1: no, no. Were you alive during the Iverson run?
0: You were I alive think during the Iverson. It's a little
1: cheapened. <laughs> so the, I think game one Iverson is
0: cheapened. I I would argue that game seven versus Toronto, yeah, and game seven versus the Bucks are higher on my uh list of wins in uh in my life. I don't I, Kev, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. I probably got sent to bed before I was allowed to watch game one of the
1: NBA finals. I was eight years old. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm trying to put the timeline together. Cause I don't know. I guess, <clears throat> I guess when that came around, I was, you know, I was a teenager. Um, but I mean, I I said to myself after this game that that was the biggest win that I'd seen since, since the Iverson run. I mean, the biggest Sixers playoff win in 20 years easily uh, un, undebatable, undisputable undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Uh, I couldn't believe what I watched. I, like, the way that they came out, the way that they answered everything, the defensive energy, the immediate uh, correction of, of any mistake that they, they made. I was sitting there the whole time just waiting for the Celtics run to come. I'm like, I know. You're tweeting coming. it. You're tweeting coming. it. Coming. My butthole has never been tighter. Um, <laughs> That's
2: too much. That's too much. Of- no, no, that's I'm great. Not judge those West Virginia Knights.
0: <laughs> Russ, yeah. how about you, man? Is this the? Is this the? In your opinion, the biggest win of your lifetime? I think what I'm 30, so you're what? 32, 33, 32. Yeah, so 32. <coughs> so you were you were 10 in 2001. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this the biggest win of your uh, of your yeah, lifetime?
2: Yeah, um, I, I think so. Hold on. Let me let me let me just play that freaking song. Play that song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, like I think
1: that you sounded like, like Gilbert Gottfried, Gottfried.
2: Kevin Kincaid. I hate the Boston Celtics. Um, so I think that like modern era, I'm gonna Kyle, based on our age, I'm gonna consider the Iverson Sixers were their own anomaly, right? That was that was one run Iverson era was like there, and then everything post AI, so PAI, okay, That... That uh, that part, this is the biggest win that there has been since the Iverson Sixers. It is a game that the Sixers never win. It is a game that the Sixers inevitably blow multiple huge leads. And it's inevitably one that we come back and look at and say, well, this is the thing that sets them up to shit the bed in game six. But it didn't happen. It was the weirdest. I'm not superstitious, okay? I think the whole thing's nonsense. I'm watching on YouTube TV, which means I'm like three minutes behind the actual yeah. game, right? I caught myself around halftime. I was like tucked on my couch a certain way. I had to pee so bad, but I stayed in that position until three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then I finally said, you know what? I'm going to move. So my, I had like a, like, and when you're 32, I had like a little kink in my neck. It was a whole thing. But I could not believe what I was watching. It was the culmination of like, if you could say we need five, five specific things to happen all at once to have a shot in Boston. It's Embiid has an MVP performance. It's Harden being able to like execute at a high efficiency rate, which he did from the field, play that facilitator role. Tyrese Maxey rediscovering his game, especially his range, which allows you to stretch the floor. Tobias freaking Harris, who I have been absolutely critical of at every junction of him being a sixer. The tenacity he showed on both ends of the court is a big factor in why they won and why they won big. And honestly, it's kind of like an underrated element from game five. So you put all those things together, like it's that. And there's a concerning thing that I want to throw back to you guys. And it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for the Celtics. Because Tatum's complacency in this series has been befuddling. And Jalen Brown's inability or unwillingness to shoot in the second half of games, especially in the fourth quarter... Like if I were a Celtics fan, I'd be lighting, I'd be f- dousing myself in lighter fluid and lighting myself on fire because I have no. They had sixty points combined. It felt like the most hollow sixty was, points yeah. a duo has ever combined for in a game.
0: Well, he's he's so inefficient. He's Jason Tatum is as efficient as the DMV, in my opinion. Then you have Jalen Brown going three for eight from the line. I feel like he missed every time they're about to get back in it. It's like Jalen Brown went to the line ready to get back, get them back in it. He misses. He goes one for two from the line. Um, I, I want to go back to where was it necessary in that whole uh, diatribe that you went on that we needed to know that you had to piss yourself almost I'm trying to'm was were the, were the stars not aligning were you were you afraid that if you got up they would they would blow a 14 point lead i'm just I'm just going back to that I'm still lost on that one I'd like you to uh, answer that before I answer your question Say that again you said you had to like piss on the couch or something like that yeah. and you didn't want to go until like, The end of the uh, end of the game. Were you afraid that like the stars were going to not align if uh, they were going to come back from a 14 point deficit? If you went to the
2: bathroom and took a tinkle? I mean, I just have to say like then this can go out to the live audience who's watching who are, you know, loyal viewers of the crossing broadcast 6.0 or 6.9. I I don't think I'm the only person who's like retained urine uh, in an effort to bring (laughs) good juju to their team. It just
0: just felt like an an interesting uh, morsel in your story. Kevin, am I wrong?
1: Yeah, that was a little random. I mean, he already said he was on the. He already said he was on the YouTube TV delay, so it's not like you're you're already behind the live action. Might man, sure, you could have just run the score app or the
0: ESPN app and and you know got to the bathroom 35 seconds or maybe a minute 30 yeah. earlier. By the way, anyway, I just want to say I just want to say that
1: Ford has finally re-entered.
2: Oh, look at the lame duck! Look at the Ford lame loser duck! Ah. I'm not even on this show often, and I know Ford's a loser. Ford, Ford the Celtics fan during the Ford? chat. Ford is back because Ford believes that the Celtics are gonna come into Philadelphia tonight and do the thing that the Celtics usually do, which is break your hearts. That's the whole point. That's all it's, that's why Ford's here. When if and when the Sixers win tonight, Ford is banned. Banned until the end of the postseason. All right, all right. You can check all right. in, we, you can check in um, from and another the, account, but not get the over- Ford account
0: do not come on to this program and start banning our fo- our followers and our dedicated commenters for yeah. it yes yeah he's an yeah. idiot Celtics fan but he's our idiot celtics fan okay yeah, we wouldn't
1: go on snow the goalie we okay. wouldn't go on snow the goalie and tell you what to do on the snow the yeah. goalie podcast so let's set some let's set some parameters here on how the uh, uh how the loyal listeners of the program are going to be yeah. treated as um, the
2: only member of the original team of the crossing broadcast still affiliated with oh, crossingbroad.com oh, my god my, here, here I'm we go my emeritus host status <laughs> yeah, and say yeah, ford yeah. get it together
1: yeah here's russ pulling rank again and reminding reminding us at least once every other episode that he was part of the the real or the launch of the the show originally which what by the no, way wait, what wait. happened was that the maestro just completely abandoned the show so yeah, one guys a
0: millionaire one guys on national syndicated television What's the other guy doing?
2: The host (laughs) of the only Philadelphia Flyers podcast. That's right. That's right.
1: (laughs) Kind of say um, that when I was watching that game, all of the typical shit that you're waiting for from the Sixers just did not happen. There was no like moping. There was no bad body language. There was no inevitable Celtics run. There was no brain fart from Doc. Like I just could not believe what I was watching. I just sat there waiting for the run and waiting for the run, and then like Daniel House run the length of the floor to put them back up 19, and I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" I'd like was convinced that they were going to get their doors blown off in that game. Dan
0: Daniel, Daniel House.
1: House. I mean, everything. Everything was going right for him, and this was the thing that jumped out to me: is like the Embiid. Okay, the chase down block. Right, mm-hmm. they're going to show the clip of that over and over and over and over again. That clip has to be cut back to the turnover because he immediately rectified a mistake. Same thing earlier in the game. D'Anthony Melton had a terrible turnover, runs back. Very next possession, picks somebody's pocket and gets a layup on the other end. Every single time somebody made a mistake, they work their ass off to correct it and come back and 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 get a bucket. They, they answered every single bucket. They didn't like let these mistakes get to them. Like from from start to finish, it was it was the most comprehensive. Sixers performance that I've seen from this version of the team, from Doc's version of the team, from Brett's version of the team, the shit that you were waiting for to come just did not come.
0: James Harden is setting charges. Daniel House is catching lobs. I will forever remember that Tyrese Maxey shot. They're down. They're up 11. Yeah. Boston's kind of uh, on the verge of making a comeback.
1: During the non-NB. This is during the yeah, non-NB the NB minutes NB, at the beginning of the fourth
0: quarter, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Behind the back pass from Harden. Maxey sets up for a three. And just completely silences the garden like that yeah. was if if we're if if, if we keep going and maxi has a good rest of the series that's maxi's 200 million dollar
1: contract moment right there when yeah, people I think they had it. Out yeah yeah i think they had it to boston had it to 12 got it down to 12. i want to got it down to 11. got it down to 11 yeah because when Embiid went out they were up 14 or 60. i want to say they were up 16 when Embiid went out then house had the big bucket and maxi had the big bucket he came back on they were only a minus two in two and a half minutes so he came back on he came back on at what like nine nine and a half or or something something like that something and a half but i mean for them at the beginning of that because i was just sitting there thinking like man the, the fourth quarter from game four holy shit, you know so as, as much as they were able to extend and coming coming out of that and keep him off the floor so that you weren't going to get a repeat of the al horford thing from the other night i mean that was that was probably the key part in, in a game that they controlled from start to finish that was the key portion of the non-imbeed fourth quarter minutes if they're if they're going to go minus 2 for every batch of Embied minute, not non-imbeed minutes out of the playoffs you would take that any
2: any day of the week mm-hmm.
1: any day of the week man did it's they win tonight
2: good, because like maxi maxi i think is the easiest to root for a sixer that i can ever remember ever yeah i don't know if it's like the infectious yeah. like smile and the positivity and it's just like the way that he plays the game but, like, I don't, uh, it was what two games ago. It looked like he got hurt, looked like he tweaked his knee. And I went, Oh, no, not Maxi. Like, of all the people, not Maxi, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: a lot of people kind of shit on him for having some like iffy performances in the middle of the series. And it was like, Oh, now you gotta think about trading him. He was not gonna be what you thought he was gonna be. And, like, now you look at it, it's like that performance he had in game five is critical. That's, you know, it's not like he's a rookie, right? But, like, that's a, that's a play and that's a series that a guy in his like third year doesn't typically make. Like he he took that game over in large part, which also allowed Harden, I mean, for however you want to consider it, it allowed Harden to go into being a facilitator, not having to chuck up a ton of shots, didn't have to put as many miles on his legs in that one. Like that's that's all good stuff. Um the 200 million dollar contract thing is going to be its own its own thing in the off season. But like
0: he I'll, I'll, push, I'll just keep playing the clip. I'll just keep replaying the clip of him silencing the Boston crowd I'm like, "You know what?"
2: He has as up. much not my money. upside. Yeah, like he has as much upside for a young point guard or a young guard in this league as just about anyone else. So, like, why not? You know, especially if he keeps this going, which they're gonna need. They they need a third contributor consistently. Tobias is not that. But if Tobias can be what he was in game five, as like a fourth contributor who's aggressive on both ends, then like they're in good shape. maxi has got to be that guy, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, just looking at the box score right now, Toby 16, obviously Embiid and Maxi both 30-plus. But James Harden only 17, 10, and 8. I mean, if you would have told me that James Harden was only going to score 17 in 39 minutes, I would have told you, like, there's no chance they're winning Game 5. We're coming back to Game 6, and we're, you know, this is a must-win territory. But, you know, tonight we got, uh, we got a huge game. Me and Craig will be down there if the game's close around the uh, around the fourth quarter um, to, to to talk to people and stuff. Um,
2: do they win tonight? Russ? You're doing they, so well. They they better because I don't know if you can steal a third in Boston. Uh, we just we so. just won twice in Boston. How I
0: mean, they can they can do anything. If you would have t- if w- any of us would have said they are going to steal two in Boston, we'd be doing flips around our house. So I, I after after winning one was awesome. Winning two, this team is for real, and I think they can steal a third. But I do think they win this today. Go ahead, Russ. Sorry, cut you off.
2: I think they lose by a close like by by Damn. four tonight. I, I don't want them to, though. Obviously, like, I, I want them to win. I'm more concerned with, like, again, if they lose tonight and Tatum gets on, a, the the whole thing is Tatum could take this entire thing over, right? Like, he, he could, has, but the when does he? Do when does he? Though, he doesn't do it efficiently. Enough. Enough. That's what. That's why I still I don't understand. The guy trained with Kobe, right? Mamba mentality, but he doesn't seem to have it. Like he he just goes through large stretches of games where you go, like, where the hell's this guy been? He's on the floor, but he's a non-factor. If he ramps it up for this game and then. A game seven then then okay. i mean let's
0: be honest they got a lot of good looks they got a lot of good looks in game five they only shot 40 percent for the field yeah there were a lot of good looks a lot of floaters a lot of easy open uh open threes they missed a lot of easy open twos they missed they only shot 39 percent. kev on the other hand what do you think mm-hmm. happens tonight do they do they uh pull it out Are we going home court advantage to the eastern
1: conference finals I and mean, they've got the momentum they've won twice uh, in Boston, I mean, there's there's no reason now to think that they're going to let their their foot off the gas. You know, it seems yeah. like they've got this team figured out, too. You know, the pick and rolls is is working for them. Um, I think we're far enough into the series now where it's kind of like you know what you're getting. You know, like the first three games, especially with Embiid not being there for the first game, or kind of whatever, and you're getting settled and, and figuring it all out. But, I mean, there's really not a lot of tactical tweaks to make here. I mean, they've done some different stuff with their their spacing around the pick and roll tried to try to leave the wings a little bit empty, you know, but uh I mean, they were, they were just cooking. They were just cooking. So I, I don't see like, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I was with Ford, man. I was, I had the same much, as much shit as Ford's getting. I had the same thought as him. I didn't think there was any chance they are winning uh, winning game five, you know? So, I mean, oh, yeah we
0: talked, we came on here and said that we, we thought it was yeah. going to be a blowout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've won. I mean, you now you're trying to not to outthink yourself here. Right you're saying like well they shouldn't have won this game so maybe they'll drop this game I, I don't know man i mean like they proved everything they needed to prove that last game so so what what is there to preclude, preclude me from thinking that we could see that again at home
0: they've made me eat my words 3 times game 1 they made me eat my yeah. words game 4 they made yeah. me eat my words game 5 they made me eat my words yeah. and you know what we've said it before Keep your arms like this at, at this uh, Sixers team all season. But mm-hmm. guess what? This is a different Sixers team. This is a better Sixers team. Rush, you said it wasn't. This is a we, for, we don't forget. This is a better Sixers team. That Jimmy Butler team in 2018 this is the best Sixers team we've had in the last 22-odd years
2: to win. I have, win, question, uh, really. I, I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give this to Kevin because Kevin cares about these things more. What's the difference between Ford and Andy from Deptford?
1: what's the what's the difference between ford and yeah, Andy from yeah you don't
2: thinking.
1: put ford onto the the screen here to talk okay yeah 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 that's that's, he that's just he answer. just goes
2: incendiary in the comment section it's wild he's a passionate guy he's got he's got to protect his brand his brand yeah, is what uh, three or three or four days of comments to make up since he you know here's, a serious, a, like a, here's a serious
1: answer to a not serious question yeah. um People can participate in the chat. We would like, we are an inclusive podcast. We would like for people to be able to participate, but, but they don't, I don't need to make for the cornerstone of the show by inviting him on at, uh, seven 30 in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon, and then five o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Andy called in Andy, by the way, who's been in my DMS like consistently over the last 36 hours, trying to extend his 15 minutes from fame, which is the problem whenever we do <laughs> shit like this, because now the guy is like trying to leverage that into, into being even more of a celebrity. Like he thinks this is his break.
0: And also the, you you can can, anyway. the, the, the sports radio can count on Andy from Deford. We can't really count on Ford. Anyone saw Ford after game four?
1: No, no I didn't No. Anyone? no i mean yeah. right we, yeah we need some consistency here you know that chuck from Man airy is going to be on every day i don't know if ford's going to be here or not so we exactly. can't turn him into like a rat pack kind of uh mm-hmm. you know howard sternish kind of whatever you know <clears throat> it's funny because i was trying to find this this video clip and i can't find it but um the the sixers did a little bit something different with the pick and roll the other night if like when you're watching the game tonight when it's Harden and in a beat or maxi and a beat or whoever look at um look at how the other three guys are 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 uh, spaced around them right they're, they're what they're kind of doing is they're pushing them off they're pushing two guys off to the other side of the floor and then i think they're putting the third guy like around the dunker spot so that when they run that pick and roll they, they, it's harder for the third guy to co- to come over and leave their man and and go after Harden or Embiid right they're trying to make it so that it's a two person exclusive thing that's trying to keep boston's defenders from 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 being able to to help uh, help as easily as they were helping early, so that's like the small like subtle thing that they're doing there. Otherwise, I mean, Boston's just trying to, you know, they're they're trying to deny the middle, right? So they sag back a little bit. Embiid gets the ball like right around the nail, like a, a million times out of a million. If this was any other team, you would be happy with their seven footer shooting foul line jumpers, right? <laughs> but you know, it's it's Embiid. I mean, normally when you're playing drop coverage, you're trying to ice a pick and roll or something like that. You don't want the guy taking a three pointer. You don't want him getting to the rim. So Boston is doing that, but just so happens that the MVP has the ball on the nail where he's deadly, right? So it's it's just it's one of those funky things where sitting here thinking you're playing pretty good defense. Harden didn't get off a three point shot. Harden didn't get to the rim. The big has the ball out around the elbow nail, and if you would settle for that shot more often than not, but Embiid knocks it down at a pretty high clip. So. You know, if you're Boston, what do you do? Do you just blitz the shit out of it and try to do something different? So it's really, I, I think we've mentioned it, but it's like they have a coaching advantage over Joe Missoula.
0: It's crazy. You know, where he, refuses he refuses to adapt. Maybe he doesn't have the horses yeah. to adapt. Robert Williams kind of has yeah. lost out there on defense. Then they yeah. kind of go Grant Williams, and Grant Williams just kind of plays bully ball down in the post. I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane some of the stuff. I mean, Mark, Mark Davis should never ref. I mean, you can say this about a bunch of refs in the playoffs. He should never ref another game as, as long as the NBA is around. Scott Foster should not ref as long as the NBA isn't around. I mean, it's the the, the amount of night and day, the way they let these guys play these uh, these games between some guys and get physical, they swallow the whistle, and other guys, you could just see Scott Foster being like, all right, they're up 13. Let's get them back in the game. And that's one thing actually we didn't talk about that I thought made the Sixers really resilient because every time they were up 14, 15, 16, 17 – I feel like we just got whistle after whistle on the other end. I mean, they were uh, – I think the Celtics were in the bonus in the fourth quarter by by the nine-minute mark, maybe even the ten-minute mark, and they still prevailed in there. And I think yeah. – I mean, call what you want. I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I say the refs I, – I do believe like the refs from orders from the NBA always like to keep these these playoff games tight. They have direct orders from them. No Scott Foster tonight. We do have Ed Malloy, Delco Boy, Cardinal O'Hara. Uh, so we'll see how that happens.
1: Um, too, many touch, too many touch fouls and too just too bullshit, kind of. I gave something to Craig, too, if you can pull up that video. But, yeah, too much just like – my least favorite thing is when a guy is, like, deemed to be in somebody else's space and they just rip through into him. Yeah. Because that's not a – and Embiid's great at it, but that's not a that's not a legit basketball play. Um, this is from Rich Hoffman who was showing, like – he did a story on just a little tweak that they made here on the pick and roll. But um, you see, like, what Boston does is they go over top of the screen and then Horford – Horford's doing what's called Drop like coverage. icing, icing the, the screen. So he's trying to push hard and like out to the to the to the boundary, like either towards the baseline or the sideline. And then they get the and beat on the short roll, like right around the nail. And like, yeah, a million times out of a million, you would let the other team center shoot that, that <laughs> you know, because I mean. What's the least effective shot in basketball? It's a mid-range jumper. You know, it's why for the longest time they they only wanted teams they only wanted players shooting threes or getting to the rim. So I don't know I don't know what their coverage is different. I think they could probably abandon P.J. Tucker a little bit more and just try to take his guy and just run his guy into Embiid or or Harden or something like that and live with the rotation. But that's why it's interesting because you're talking about these really 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 subtle differences, but for teams that don't run complicated offenses at all. What do the Sixers do? They ISO and they run pick and roll. Yeah. And they really don't run any anything else. You know, and Boston just plays hero ball with, with Tatum and Brown and all them, you know.
0: A little breaking news before we before we do anything else. Uh Eagles Pats week one, according to Zach Berman. Oh, okay. Zach Berman reporting. Uh well, this is from Adam Beasley. The rumor is the New England Patriots will open their season and honor Tom Brady at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. You now yeah. that's irony. Um, and Zach Berman quotes, we are saying hearing the same Eagles would open the season in New England on Tom Brady night, which I hope isn't true, because then supposedly a lot of like Vikings blogs and I've heard some other things saying that the Eagles will open on Thursday night against the Vikings in week two. here's
1: here's the here's the question if the sixers win tonight does that take all of the steam out of uh win-loss day on sports talk radio or do you think that going game by game through the schedule is still going to be the big topic on uh, do the sixers even lead wip i don't think so (laughs) the Sixers won and they're going to the eastern conference finals but first we're gonna go game by game through the Eagles schedule, and we'll give you our wins and losses. Who does
0: the update on 97.5? Up. Pat Egan, in the morning? Pat Egan is just that. That'll be a footnote Different in the. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. In the in the Pat Egan uh, wait they're the
2: same person
1: going so, into the commercial. I don't we'll know if do you that. guys. I don't know if you guys have seen the schedule yet, but I went game by game through it already, and I've got them going seventeen and zero. Wow,
0: that. I got them going ten and six, 10 maybe and eleven six. and
1: five. I'm just happy that they're not opening against the Commanders. I think if it's the Patriots or the Vikings or whatever, that's good. Uh, the Chiefs game in week two scares the shit out of me. I think I've already got money on KC for that one. But uh, I don't know. The, the Christmas game, I don't need a—I don't need a Christmas game. Um, the last one still gives me post-traumatic stress disorder, the Raiders game, 2017. Um, I don't know if the NFL needs to be on Christmas Day. Oh, you and sealski have the same point? Let's hear it. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not like at a loss for football, I guess is is my take. And and people yeah. got to understand too. Like I'm a big college football guy so I watch on Saturday too. I don't I don't feel like I need uh I'm okay with Thursday, Sunday, Monday. I, and and having Okay, the well NBA. First, no Monday this having year. NBA. Well, yeah, but I'm okay having the NBA and letting the NBA have that day. I don't I don't need to I feel like I'm getting too many options sometimes on on some of these, you know, like the, and I think the NFL thinks that they need to be always there's always got to be something NFL going on. I don't think that has to be true. I mean, they're going to get, you know, top consumption for that regardless of when they put it on. I just don't need to. I don't want to be sitting there like on Christmas and thinking like, OK, Eagles, now I got to shift gears to the Eagles. I don't want to fucking do anything on Christmas. Just whatever.
0: Well, that's the thing. I don't do anything on Christmas, so I'm OK yeah. with this game. <clears throat> Christmas is great because I'm done. I, I don't do the yeah. brunch. I don't do I do the presents. I do the brunch. And then we're uh, we're, we're fucking off for the rest of the day. People yeah. who are complaining like I have Christmas dinner. I think that's wild. I thought Christmas Eve was reserved for for Christmas dinner and, and, and seeing all your family and everything. I thought Christmas was supposed to be fe- spent with your immediate family. That's how we did <laughs> in the pagan household.
1: Well, what was, what was, I didn't get to read Mike's um, column. What was his angle? It on wasn't
0: it? his, well, it wasn't his column. He was on Bird. He was on with uh, Jody Mack and, uh, and John McMullen today. And it was kind of funny. He was doing a hit when it looked like he was in a hotel room. I think he, and he mentioned he was on vacation. So it's kind oh, of okay. I- ironic that he's like mad that he's going to be uh, losing time with his family when he's doing a hit for uh, Jacob okay. Sports uh, on vacation with his uh, family. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But his thing was the same thing you said. That's why I made fun of it. With you and Silski have the same opinion. It's like I don't need the NFL uh, taking every single
2: day. They have enough days. They don't need any more. Well, I mean, does, does the, the NFL, NFL like, be- the, like the NFL's the ultimate juggernaut? Like they're they're going to do whatever they can to take each and every opportunity to put eyes on the product. Like is that is that necessary? Like is it necessary for them to do it? No. No, but they're I mean, going like, to do it. They're, yeah. They were an absolute ratings behemoth, and like no matter what, there it's a no downside to them. I mean, it sucks for the NBA, right? Because that's become the NBA's thing. Like the NBA is synonymous with Christmas Day. But like this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, you know? The Black Friday thing I think is actually more (laughs) intriguing. But like,
0: oh, that was awesome because I mean, look at Black Friday last year when we had USA versus England. That was the most watched men's World Cup game of all time.
1: Yeah, but do uh, we black need Friday do we need the board. NFL on black? Why do we need the NFL on Black Friday? And why do we need the NFL on Christmas Day? I mean, like NFL, I, I'm fine with having the NFL on Thanksgiving. Black Friday used to have a great college football slate, which I don't really think it does anymore. And then Christmas, you have the NBA. I just I don't need the NFL to be on every single holiday or significant day or whatever. Like there's there's I'm gonna watch the NFL like on those other days already. So it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't entice me to say like Oh yeah, Black Friday football because I would have watched Sunday football anyway. I don't need Christmas Day football because I would have watched after Christmas Day football. I don't know. It just seems like well, after Christmas Day football with Tuesday. It's Monday. I, it, 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 it's
0: Monday. Yeah, I think their argument I don't, I don't ends know. with Monday. It's Monday. Monday is Monday is synonymous with football.
1: I don't know. I, mean, I I I the, Russ is right though. I mean, like the NFL is going to do everything it can to kind of just can't to to blanket the 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 calendar with everything he could, and it's smart on their part. But like as a consumer, like. I don't watch I don't just watch football. I watch other stuff. You know? That's so good. I just, it, cool it'll thing.
2: be it'll be interesting to see how how if at all the NBA's ratings are impacted this year. Right? Like that that's going to be the ultimate telltale sign. I mean, the, again, the NFL dwarfs every kind of number that the NBA puts out with like the exception of the finals or maybe like a really good conference final. Yeah. But like it's become such a, a habitual thing for people to get used to on Christmas day to like put on ABC or whatever and let that run for eight hours of your day. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, how big of an impact is it going to have? The other thing is too, like with streaming, like, I I don't know. I feel like the, the way that people consume their games has also changed. Like there's no downside. If you plan on sitting down to watch an NBA quadruple header, you can also just as easily like flip to the NFL during halftime. Right. And at least there's something there. Like, I don't know. I get the point that, like, we don't need it. They're going to continue to do it. So either, you know, you can you can vote, I guess, with your remote. It's about it.
0: I don't understand the we don't need it argument. I mean, it's 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 a juggernaut. It's it's it wouldn't be di- it wouldn't be any different than, like, I don't know, ESPN trying to get a stranglehold on the ratings against Fox Sports, which they already
1: do. Um there's you know, other stuff to watch. I mean, like, yes, NFL yeah. is number one, but most people watch other sports too. Like I don't I don't I don't so, want to I think prepared. that's your answer. Uh, you don't have to watch football. No, like, you don't have to
0: watch football on Black Friday. Me on Black Friday, I don't in my generation, we don't go out to Black Friday. We don't we don't get in line at four in the morning anymore. We just uh, buy presents two weeks before Christmas on Amazon and hope they're here in time.
1: I don't know. I gotta refine the take. I'm just like lukewarm on it, though. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come back on Tuesday with a better explanation for it. You kind I of think you're all in. footballed out. Are you all footballed out, Kev? <clears throat> I'm not footballed out. I'm I'm eagled out. I'm Philadelphia eagled out. Like at the end of the at the end of this year for sure. Fucking burned the fuck out on the Eagles, right? But no, I want to watch college and I want to watch whatever. If I'm just pissing around on the TV downstairs, I'll stop on XFL or USFL or something because I love football, but. I don't. I don't always need the NFL. I watch a lot of college football. You know, like in a lot of markets, high school football is big. High school football is not big up here, but it's huge in other markets. So I don't know. It's just I think there is such a thing as there's not a, such a thing as too much football. But the NFL doesn't need to be like this sprawling like entity that just covers everything. Like you can give us a day off. I can have a yeah, day I, off an NFL if, if
0: you want to. If you want to talk about this in terms of like, am I worried that? <laughs> Thirty-three-year-old Jason Kelsey could be more banged up this year because he's playing two Thursday night football games, or because he's playing—not not playing on an Amazon Black Friday, but yeah, yeah, yeah. say they were playing on Black Friday. I think uh, I forget who. I think the Jets are on Black Friday. Uh, you know, forty-plus-year-old Aaron Rodgers is going to be banged up, not getting the proper yeah. you know rest he's and doing stuff doing on a short
1: Yes, that's about Thursday night too. They asked us about Thursday night and it was like, you know, why did the Cowboys get this, this Thanksgiving game? And then they get a shorter rest. I mean, it's all that stuff. The more, the more you spread out and add these dates. I mean, the more questions you're calling into of the more you're calling into question, like, you know, why does this team get eight days of rest? Why does this team get seven days? And you talk about the different imbalances. So I don't know. I just watch stuff other than the NFL. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like they need to canvas all of these, these dates and just dominate the freaking count. I've got flyers hockey to watch next year. That's right. You know,
0: I don't think they'll. I don't call me crazy. But if Christmas is on Tuesday next year, I don't think they'll own Christmas. I think this is just weird how the schedule is. <laughs> yeah, should work I get it. I get
1: months. it. No, and that's and that's why there was a bunch of you know uh, Christmas moves on Sunday, like the NFL went up against the NBA. Okay, that stuff happens, but those are calendar quirks that happen so often. They don't. The NFL does not need to be on every single thing every single day. Like it's it's okay to just just back off a little bit. At least in my mind. So also.
0: Media people or people that work in sports complaining about having to work on Christmas
1: when it's yeah, but they, and these are all like well, that crotchety beats, man. They all, they cover exactly like 16, seventeen games a year. I mean, and then yeah. you get the whole summer off. I mean, the Eagles beats don't have to do jack shit from from now. when's OTAs? Uh, from now until July or August, yeah, they've got the the best thing ever. You know, you and I, Kyle, went from doing like six days a week. During the Eagles season to six days a week, seven days a week during the 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 World Series, yep, we're, we're not exactly like on top of a roof laying shingles. No, we aren't. None of our uh, computer. We're doing shit. We're so laying digital single shingles. The jacks of all, jack of all trades, jacks of all trades. The, the people who none. do <clears throat> the people who do all the sports. Like we there is no break. We go from yeah. the from the World Series to the Super Bowl to blah blah yep. blah to to back to this. So I don't want to hear the beats who only do one sport yeah. while you're complaining that they have to like go to the Meadowlands on fucking Christmas. Okay, you have you're going to get There's two gonna... months off this summer to go to Cabo and mm-hmm. hang out with Sammy Hagar if you want to. So here quit, quit, quit your bitching. Yeah.
2: Easy for Kincaid uh, to say. He takes off during the NBA playoffs every year. <laughs> Every no, that was just, no, was just an because that's when the, the week. That's NFL draft, too. NFL draft, it's like Kincaid <laughs> Kincaid sits down and goes, All right, now we're uh, we're, where could there be a high traffic? He's doing over? contract negotiations yeah, with Tony yeah. Bruno down in Florida. No, I did, but right, I did. The
1: one story that I hopped on and did during vacation did a million clicks. It is so true, it's he did the he
0: biggest story. <laughs> <laughs> the it's so unfair. It's so unfair because that. that's like teed up perfectly for me. And Kevin's yeah. like getting this itch to talk about Jalen Carter's massive dick. And yeah. it does like a million, five, two million page views uh, yeah. within like 24
1: hours. Let everybody Let know check. that the top two stories all time on Crossing Broad are Jalen Carter's dick and Riley Cooper's racial slur. So that's kind yeah, of, yeah, this right here is the most clicked on, read, whatever, sessioned story in Crossing Broad history. I think it's 150 words.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Big, big, big uh, guy. Six foot three,
2: 300 pounds. <laughs> um, 365 in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. See, know.
1: Not even 100. There's probably not even 100 words in this. You know, Excellent strength. Great leverage at the line of scrimmage. Big game experience and a huge schlong as well. Howie does it again. <laughs> One million clicks. Howitzer. Um, who do we think rings the bell? Going back to the Sixers for real quick. This is the last time we'll
0: talk about the Sixers. Who who rings the bell tonight? Jeremy.
1: Jeremy. Jonesy rings the bell.
0: <laughs> Ernest Owens, our favorite guy, <laughs> has <laughs> some supposed sources quote tweeted today. I don't know if Craig can pull it up. But, uh, that is Ernest ringing, Schre- ringing the bell. Oh, he thinks Ernest Owens is ringing the bell. Uh, Actually, okay. I subscribe to the fact that it should be the most obscure Philadelphia individual. Wanda Sykes. Wanda fucking Sykes. Rang the bell game four. You didn't know she was from media. I did not know she lived in media. I did not know she was anywhere from around here. I haven't seen Wanda Sykes since I watched like a curb episode. Here's Ernest Owens quote tweeting a visit Philly uh, tweet about how Taylor Swift should uh, ring the bell. Ernest says, They are, they will. Stay tuned tonight. It's about to be wild. Taylor Swift is coming tonight. Winky emoji. That is what you don't see.
1: But What you don't see there is that his very next tweet accuses Taylor Swift of white privilege.
0: <laughs> that she's only able to ring the bell because of white privilege.
1: That's right. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. so Taylor Swift ringing the bell was a big victory for the Sixers and for white privilege.
0: <laughs> well, it, was, it was awesome because we found the only guy who hated the Super Bowl parade.
1: One guy in Philadelphia hated the Super Bowl parade and. It was but he, did, he did that same story. I, I had I have like them all saved. He did it for both. I think he did it for the Villanova parade, then the Eagles parade. And then I think he wrote another version of the story. Um this year. This year. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like a template. It's like Team X. This was a big victory for Team X and a big victory for white privilege. Anytime there's a celebration downtown, his angle is just that like white people are allowed to destroy shit. And, but if like black protesters are doing something legitimate, like on the on the highway or something, then they, they get pepper
0: sprayed in the face. Sprayed, you know. that was thrown out of court. We got to wait for the retrial.
1: I can't. I mean, laws, 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 are laws. By the way, uh, one of, there's a former Crossing Broad commenter in the mayor in the mayor's race. Did you know that? Yeah, Gim. Yeah, Helen Gim, former commenter. If she wins the uh, election <laughs> next week. By the way, I love how the winner of the mayor the mayor wins during the primary because there's no fucking Republican anyway. So whoever wins the Democrat. You don't think David O's got a shot this year? (laughs) I do not think he has a shot. Um, But we'll do the story congratulating uh, former Crossing Broad commenter Helen Gim if she wins the. You
0: don't think Alan Dom ever jumped in the comments, Candy from the Oak?
1: Well, (laughs) probably anonymously. Yeah, Helen Gim probably was the only person who put her actual name. On any of the (laughs) comments, I'm pretty sure that Alan Dom was not masquerading as uh Jillian Mealy's butthole in the uh comment section. That was Jeff Brown's moniker. I can't prove it. (laughs) I can't prove it. Yeah, maybe Jeff Brown was um, you know, dropping uh, questionable language in there, but we'll shout out Helen Gim if she wins the the election. It's a new era of orange and a new era with Helen Gim.
0: <laughs> what do you think about that, Russ? Before we get in the Jonesy, what do you think about this new era
1: of orange? Can I
0: can I give you my my theory? I really think <laughs> I uh, I really think that uh, get that comment off the things. I'm going to clip this later. I really think that they were sitting in the Wells Fargo Center in a conference room around a big oak table. And they were trying to spin the Connor Bedard pick into something positive. They were all pissed off and everything. Someone has the bright idea, like, hey, maybe we should start winning. Maybe we should start shedding contracts. And there's like, no, that's not going to do it. We need something good. I think someone looks out of the Wells Fargo Center and sees Taylor Swift's The Errors Tour banner hanging from the link. And they say, hey, listen, if Taylor can get four errors, why can't we get one error? So they draft up the statement. They release it, and they hire the same guy who thought of the idea as the president of Hockey Ops an hour later, Keith Jones. Is that shocking? Would that shock you? We're talking about the same people who no one has a belief in at all in the executive office. Is that why Keith Jones got hired? Because he saw the errors tour outside of the link and decided we need a new error, an error of orange.
2: Kevin, what's that? Uh, that old segment from "It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia." Words that end in the letter A. So, yeah, why do, you st- why do you say era like error? He's been saying it the whole time, right? Like yeah, I'm not like, crazy. It's,
1: it's like you're British or something. An era. Terror- you just fuck terrifying. off both of you. You've been saying you know, era
2: the whole time. Error. 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 era, there era, you era. You want me to go era? Do you want me to go era? Era is fine as Does long as, as you don't up? have an R on the end. You Can just I go era. Yeah, he was right. saying
1: something else incorrectly too. I think you said you were trying to say Ime Udoka on the show on Tuesday. It, I think you said Udo, Udoku. No, I, I
0: should not be in charge I'm, of getting I'm, everybody's I'm name. Right. Pe- I have Uber drivers that consistently yeah. call me Kylie. Do I correct them? No. I was. I had the Starbucks employee that called me whatever. I think it was Carl. Did I correct them? No. Yeah,
1: but okay. they don't work in media. They don't they don't work for who a Who gives a, big a media fuck pit. if
2: it's IME or Ime? Or who Era. gives a fuck if it's Bob wow, Cowsey or Bob that's name? That's offensive. That's that's very rude. That's not offensive. Very dismissive. You know. Go ahead, Craig, fire dialogue. that up. Era. Era. Oh. Era.
1: Well, I would say that the baseline requirement for working in media is that you have to get people's names pronounced correctly. I don't if think I'll
2: that 98 percent. I'm OK with it. Maybe it's oh. a Freudian slip on pagans on pagan side that the error. New, yes. The a new, new error. error of orange is a new, a new era. era. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is there some kind of branding thing to follow up here? Cause why is black not included in this? Are we, are we getting rid of the black? Are we just focused on orange? Is it a reference to the real show real. about jail?
2: What's going on here? Well, so the, the, the belief right now is that, uh, the, the NHL switching over Jersey sponsors. And if you look at the color of the release there, it's more of that burnt orange that had been synonymous with the flyers when they were actually pretty good. Um, there is a belief that they're going to be returning back to that burnt orange. If I remember correctly, whoever the current um, sponsor is, the current creator manufacturer of the jerseys couldn't replicate the burnt orange, which is why you have more of a safety cone orange. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It might, or might not. I'm just going to say that it is that because you know, I know everything. So, Hey, Craig, um, can you pull that back up real quick?
1: I want to read this for the people on the podcast because I don't think, um, Uh, because it was just he pulled up the statement that the Flyers put on the, uh, he pulled up on the screen the statement that the Flyers made, the new era of of Orange. I would like to read it uh, out loud for everybody. Read it. The Philadelphia Flyers organization was built on relentless ambition and loyalty to this city. When you're playing for Philadelphia, you're playing to win and giving it your all. That's the bottom line, because when you represent this city, nothing less is acceptable. That extends beyond the ice, too. It's about character sacrifice, integrity, and most importantly, resilience in every single thing we do. When you don the orange and black, you're held to a specific set of standards and you're expected to show up and work your ass off every single day. It's about doing things the right way, no excuses, no shortcuts. This is a new era of hockey, (laughs) and we're building a new foundation for the future. New ways to work, new ways to train, and new ways to win. We have new voices, new perspectives. And new plans, but this is still Flyers hockey, so the goal remains the same: win. Welcome to a new era of Orange.
0: Wow, beautiful! Sounds like a creed that I would, uh, I would read like at like the early days of like Facebook or Uber, while I'm stealing company data or customer data. Where it's like we're going to be relentless, we're going to win, yeah.
1: going to do all this shit. Now, here's the thing, like. It does a new a new era of orange is led by two former players. (laughs) So I don't I don't like look, I hope Jonesy does a great job. I'm not pulling for the dude to fail. Like, and nobody's gonna dispute his knowledge of the sport and his knowledge of this market and this fan base. Same with Danny Briere, but again, it's like the optics thing, Russ. You know, it's like they can't get away from the former player, like good old boys, malaise that's hanging over him. So, I, I mean, I guess the
2: question really is, does it matter? I mean, yeah, kind of. So um, <clears throat> there are two ways to look at this. So much arrogance behind that answer. Well, I stumped him with that one. So, <laughs> no, much, it's just, so, so much uh, arrogance. Well, um, um, yeah, mm, it does. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, like, listen. The the thing is that like nuance is often lost when discussing the Flyers because so few people still follow the Flyers because they've been largely irrelevant for a decade. Um, the 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 simple fact is this: Danny Briere, despite being a former player in this organization, was a highly regarded up and coming executive. The fact that he played for the Flyers should not have been held against him. Now, is he going to do an excellent job? Remains to be seen. He and Tortorello are in lockstep on the philosophy of what this is going to be for the next three to five years. That That is its own thing. Like, that that has to stand on its own. Keith Jones played, like, what, 140 games at the end of his career here? I yet While he is a, quote-unquote, former flyer, I wouldn't exactly say that, like, he spent the best years of his career or that like he spent, you know, a decade playing here. It's not like yeah, he's a he former don't. flyer in the
1: same way that Vinny, Vinnie.
2: he's a former flyer in the same way that Vinny LeCavlier is a former. Sort of. Flyer. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he's
1: he didn't do 27 years in the booth.
2: That's why he, the, the point that Russ is trying to make it's that they're not like I, I understand the point, but I feel like he's going to be right, like, here. go ahead. Go, so here, here's where it goes a little bit further. And this is actually to shamelessly plug. We talked about this on snow, the goalie today, because Bundy talked about the difference when you're an announcer versus when you're a regular media member. And when you are doing a game on TV or radio, the media meets with the coach. And then after the media leaves, the broadcasters come in and they talk to the coach or an assistant coach or whoever. And it's a much more frank, open discussion. The the idea is that the coach then adds color and context to how the guys are performing, what they really think of how the players are performing—it adds color to the the telecast or to the broadcast itself. So if if that was the case at the local level, which it was with with Bundy and NBC Sports Philly, then you take that and you extrapolate that over. What does that mean for Keith Jones as a Turner employee and formerly as a you know big NBC corporate employee? Not only does he have an understanding of what was going on here in Philadelphia with this team by virtue of being you know, a color color commentator, um, but also because of what he did at the national level, he's been in contact with agents, with front office executives, with team presidents, with GMs, with coaches, with assistant coaches, with players. Every time he would go out to do a game on the road, and that obviously is anywhere not here, there, there's all kind of intel that you pick up and like from a from a fundamental level if you're looking at like is there a competitive advantage to hiring somebody off of TV especially somebody like like this yeah because he has institutional knowledge of what it is to be in Philadelphia to be in this market what this fan base wants what how this fan base expects to be communicated with and then he also brings that intel of players that might have fallen out of favor with their current coaches or teams which he can then explore with Briere and with Tortorella as they try to construct a team that like doesn't suck. Yeah. But so, how long does that last? That lasts like what a year. That might be all you need at that point, but it's, it's more than that though. Cause it's relationships that you have with agents. It's relationships that you have with other front offices. Like the thing is his role is not going to be the traditional president of a team role. He is not Dave Dombrowski. He is not going to be, I don't think, as actively involved in the roster construction, he to me is more of a bridge between the hockey ops side and the business side of the business. When Chuck Fletcher was in charge, and before that, Ron Hextall was in charge, there were no bridges. The bridges had been burned, bombed, and like the ashes had been disposed of in the middle of the ocean. Like they they did not exist. It wasn't a cohesive team uh, from that standpoint. Anthony's talked about the fact on the show that like there were people in the front office that were actively rooting against one another. They were rooting for the failure of their fellow front office employees with Jones in charge. That should not be happening. That should not happen. There, there will be a gutting of, of some form of the front office. And like Jonesy with, you know, Val Camillo, who's turned around the business ops side in the past year, like them together, like you might actually go back to kind of having, having a, like a cohesive unit running a team and trying to market a team, which they haven't had for almost a decade. So from that standpoint, like, it's not a, it's not a bad hire. I, I
0: mean, I'm going to, I'm going to let the chips fall where where they may before I say if it's a bad hire or not. And, you know, obviously I, I'm f- flyers a, the fourth, maybe even fifth favorite team to follow and whatnot, but just from like an outside perspective, like, I don't know, Mike Breen, he does national games. It's not He the does same. local games for the Knicks. It's not the same. Why isn't he a president of basketball operations? It's also I, I, not
2: the same. That's But you say it's not the same. It's because it's not.
0: So, 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 so you know, this J.J. Reddick getting a was, coaching what was gig Mike, with Toronto. What was Mike Green's, did, did Mike Breen play in the NBA? Okay, fine. Let's go over to J.J. Reddick then. J.J. Reddick commentates yeah. as a basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. So you think actually he's not crazy that he didn't really pay his dues after we just saw what Steve Nash did? That he's getting a look for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, in, in, in I mean, hindsight, this is kind precedent. of the same.
2: It's kind of the same thing. There's precedent for it in the NBA. I,
0: I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just this after everything we've,
2: we Flyers fans have gone through, I don't even want to say we. Phil E fan just had a, a great point in the comments. Steve Kerr was on TV. Now, Steve Kerr also played at an elite level, elite, you know, as a role player, as a sharp shooter on Jordan's Bulls teams. But like, there you go, you know, Keith uh, Jones River was not Ball. that; he was not at that level. But he was a pro, you know. Okay.
0: Steve Kerr also walked into one of the great greatest teams ever created uh, in the in the uh, in the Warriors. I'm, I'm a, Luke Walton. Also went what twenty three and zero with them. So you know, I understand the Steve Kerr point, but. Doc Rivers was also on TV. Uh, George Carl was also on TV. PJ, PJ Carl, Doug Collins was on TV. Doug Collins was on TV. Like I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. This is the rust we're getting right now. The rust, the rust we're getting is usually tearing down the flyers and burning it. So I'm actually happy that you're turning over uh, a, a new leaf in terms of this. I don't know if it's because Bundy's your buddy and ant has got good sources and stuff, but I don't know. I
2: mean, this just seems like, like Kev said, the same old boys club flyers, and it's just you, you like, have to understand though. why like, it's going to change. If you look at some of the other names that they interviewed, okay, there was oh, the Emily Castingay, who's an assistant GM with Vancouver, who had a year of front office experience. Was she getting brought in because of her illustrious resume in the sport? No.
0: Um, well, you could argue she got brought in because of the guy that they're they're doing the uh, – what are they? They're, they're, they're hiring the advisor. Everybody that the Flyers have hired has some kind of connection to that guy. Oh, Neil Glassburn.
2: Gasper. Yeah, yeah, possible. They Probably. interviewed. They they interviewed Chris Pronger. They I who I think would have shaken. I I think that there would have been a concern that he would have questioned too many things about. Okay. John Tortorella. Oh Jonesy's a lapdog. His his plan. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think you need to have a relationship guy. Like this organization clearly believes that Briere is the one who's like got the the hockey mind to turn it around.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know. It's fine. It's not not like some, it's not some complicated process. So you have to remember when Paul Holmgren was president, he was a shadow president. He wasn't forward-facing. He didn't really speak to the media. When Chuck Fletcher was in charge, he was both the president and the GM. It was a disaster. Like Bobby Clark in the past has been team president. When he was, he hasn't been a forward-facing president. In this case, you're getting somebody who's trying to serve multiple roles. They're also, he's also going to, Kind of serve a PR role. If you don't think that as the president of the team, part of their expectation is that he's going to do some of those radio hits, so Briere doesn't have to. Yeah, we're not. Or that like there there is going to be a feeling of more transparency with him in place. It's not again. It's not it's not the same thing as even like a president of of like football ops, right? Like he's not Howie Roseman. You know that's not what they're hiring him to be. They're not hiring him to be Daryl Morey. They want him to kind of serve this fusion role. If they really wanted to go out and get somebody to fulfill the traditional role, then it probably would have been like a Shiro. But they clearly didn't want to go that route. And again, Pronger had some experience in the front office, right, with Florida before he walked away from the league for a bit. They didn't interview, you know, fifteen candidates with ridiculously extensive pedigrees as being president of hockey ops. They're they're looking for a different role. So that's like part of the the way that people are evaluating this. Is kind of unfair because the job that people are kind of expecting this to be is probably not what this team was looking for. Right or wrong, wrong. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, it might be unfair,
0: but if you're a Flyers fan, all you and and this is this is fair. This is probably the only fair thing to look at it. If you're a Flyers fan, you're looking, oh, here's another former Flyer, here's another buddy with the Flyers getting hired, and every Flyers fan that hates this move, I cannot, I, I I don't blame them. It's just it's it just seems like every move they've made in the last 20 30 40 50 years since we won the cup in 75 76 or 74 75 whenever it was so let's look at this was this chuck fletcher you.
2: affiliated with the flyers before he was brought in
0: yeah it wasn't his dad boys with uh
2: bob clark or something like that Yeah, but he wasn't a flyer it wasn't he a flyer wasn't. but he, yeah. but, it
0: was all, but it's all this nepotism shit and i understand that nepotism happens everywhere how do you think i got hired kevin's my uncle nobody knows that right. That's right. um but like you got to understand that, like. Every and and I understand every every place in the NFL, you could always say this guy knows this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy. I understand. But when you have, you know, 50 years and you've only been to the cup six times and, you know, you hold yourself like an original six member, even though you aren't. You know, people want, you know, more than more than one cup in the last 15 years, more than two cups in the last or cup appearance, excuse me, in the last 20 plus years. Kev, you were saying something. Take it away.
1: Well, this is what it says in the press release because we need to kind of – I know Anthony and Russ and Chris have an idea of what exactly these guys are going to be doing, but this is what they put on the on the public – put out there publicly. The president of hockey operations will lead the strategic direction for all aspects of the hockey operations department while collaborating on business goals. The general manager is responsible for all hockey decisions as it pertains to signings, trades, and draft picks, as well as overseeing scouting, player development, roster construction, and more – head coach, John Tortorella, blah, 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 or main boss of the bench and whatever, provide various input, uh, provide input on various management topics. So we kind of need to see what the separation of powers is going to look like here. I don't think that Jonesy is going to be in there telling Danny Briere who to draft, right? Like Danny Briere, I think we all understand that he's going to be making the final say on this kind of shit, working with torts. Jonesy may kind of be this bit more like front facing kind of, here's your favorite term, everybody macro level kind go. of exec, Drink. kind of executive where he might have a little bit in, in all this shit. Like, hey, who do you think in a drafting? Great. You know, who's going to be the coach of the Phantoms? Okay, great. You know, what are we doing with NBC Sports Philadelphia? Okay, great. He's kind of going to straddle that line a little bit. Like I, and if that's the case, then so be it. Fine. I just think it's funny that like they go on this big extensive, extensive coaching search last year and it leads them to torts who everybody already fucking knows. And they go in this big president search and they end up with the color commentator. So it's like, it's just the optics, the optics of stuff. it. The optics of it well, look stupid. Yeah, it's because, exactly. like, because I'm sitting here thinking like, well, who's next? Did they did they get like Coatsy to be the assistant GM? And what's Al doing? Jack right?
0: Fritz is going to be the president of baseball
1: operations for the Phil's in 2016. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, what's the equivalent here? It's like if the Sixers got Ala Abdel Nabi to, to be like their like president, to replace like Tad Brown or something like that. Or the, Mar- the Eagles, Mar- the Eagles Mar- right? got Mike, Mike Quick to, to work in the front office or something. So from that standpoint, it looks stupid. But I just think, again, I just think it's funny that a new era of Flyers hockey is going to be led by two former players. Yeah, like who so releases no? that? They, they, they may be good at I mean, I don't know. We, nobody nobody knows whether Jonesy is going to be good at this or not. But, like, just the idea of, like, okay, here's this, this search. You've got these multiple firms involved with the search, and it leads you to
2: somebody Jones, in that Jonesy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where the search – okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right. listen, the, the problem the, – the ultimate problem here and, like, the reason that it might not work at all – is because the the organization decided that they were tied to this coach, who was a bad hire given where they were in their timeline. It was just that they were all in denial. Um, they promoted an assistant, G, an assistant to the GM to be the GM with no real experience in that role. And they had those guys locked in. So no matter which president of Hockey Ops they were going to interview or hire, those two jobs were locked in. I mean – to some extent, there might have been a tiny bit of flexibility on Briere, but like those two are effectively locked in, which is obviously going to limit your potential candidate pool. But like th- this isn't, this is what you're going to kind of get when you go with inverted power structure. Like I, the big concern if you're a Flyers fan should be that John Tortorella has far too much input in what's happening because he won't be here for 10 years, right? Like he's not at that point in his career, he's getting up there in terms of like, not only age, but like years in the league. He last won a championship twenty-ish years ago. Like there, there are some concerns on that front. He and Briere seem to be in lockstep. Does Jones help to mediate if Briere and Tortorella don't get off to as good of a start as maybe uh, the organization wants? Maybe it's possible. Maybe not. Here's here's I mean,
1: the here's the one thing that I would say because uh, I I know some people are making the jokes about the WIP WIP morning show whatever right and it's like Keith Jones went from doing like fart jokes on the radio to like running the flyers okay well <clears throat> I don't think those are like here's what we know that we know like that Angela was goofy as shit on that show but we also know that he's very very smart and like brilliant I mean the guy's got a master's degree from Columbia for Christ's sake so Keith Jones is not going to the flyers to do fart jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like likewise on Crossing Broad, we do a bunch of goofy stuff and write in a goofy way. And we do like pithy kind of whatever. But like I manage a budget behind the scenes and I get freelancers paid. And we're communicating with people overseas. And we like shift into a completely different kind of role, right? And before Crossing Broad, I was at Eyewitness News. We did a completely different type of thing, like a serious real news kind of thing. So I don't think him being on like the WIP morning show or being a broadcaster or whatever precludes him from Having the required like 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 skill set to be able to do this job, you know, because I think people can shift gears and change avenues and 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 whatnot. It just again, it looks weird from an optics standpoint because it's like, all right, we're gonna be you know going from like joking about like page spear axe breasts to like doing you know important hockey things. You know what I'm saying? It, just, it looks funky, but I don't think there's anything. I don't. I really don't think there's anything that could that would preclude him from for being able to do a good job at it. I mean like look at look at Buck Showalter was in went back to management, you know, did all right with the Mets for the first couple. Of, I mean there 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 are examples of dudes going from broadcasting. Admittedly, I was zoning out during that part of your conversation, but there are plenty of examples of, of guys of guys doing that. So I don't think it's like I wouldn't expect I wouldn't I wouldn't have Jonesy going from doing TV to being the GM.
0: And right. who knows, maybe I mean, John Soterell and Danny Briere love fart jokes, and that was what will bridge the gap together that Russ was talking about earlier.
1: Could be could be a new era of a new era. Yeah, a new era of flatulence.
0: Man, Russ. I did not it's see flat. positive Russ to that. Fired think up? Gonna, I mean listen right. I, I think it. I mean I think Bundy's I think I think you I think you're in Bundy's back pocket. I mean Bundy's best friends with the guy. That's offensive. <laughs>
2: That's offensive. Oh, what have I? Oh, well, the idea oh. of me being oh. in somebody's pocket. Just because I'm small doesn't mean I fit in somebody's pocket. Yeah, right.
0: debatable. I, I'd yeah. wear you in a Bjorn. That's I could much. probably wear you in a Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> put, you, put you in a Flyers Bjorn. That's right. You got to wear those uh, pants,
2: though. Wear those jeans. Wear those Sixers jeans.
0: Oh yeah, we're wearing the Joncos tonight. when they uh, when they win in six, are you you are uh, you're going down tomorrow to the to the press conference? Correct. Yeah, I'm going to go down. I'm going to ask hard hitting head. questions. You going to be Howard Eskin. Gonna, you think Eskin will show really? up? Yes, the hard questions. Now,
2: the interesting thing. What I'm actually more interested in um, is they're making all of the executives available to the media. Ooh. They sent out a press release. This is this is kind of unprecedented. Like they're making uh, Dan Hilferty, Val Camillo, Keith Jones, John Tortorella, and Danny Briere all available for yeah. like side scrums. So I again. I think this is just like part of them trying to be more transparent about things because we've railed on. I mean, listen, we've spent three years, four years on Snow the Goalie railing against the way that they fundamentally altered what the Flyers had been in terms of like the feeling around the team. And they're actively trying to, I think, make it better. And so like I I can't. I'd be a, beyond a hypocrite if I called them out on their shit and then they tried to make an effort to make things better. And then I still shit on them for it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go down there because I, I have certain questions. I don't know if I'm going to ask them what the main thing because, as everyone knows, the main kind of press conference is a, is a sham and a, and a joke. Like you don't really get insightful answers yeah. from that. Well, that's it's from how we're all, the, exactly it's tough all the conversations you have on the side afterwards. Yeah. So well, I uh, think, do
1: you think- Ian, Ian brings up a good point. You should mm-hmm. ask Val Camilla why she broke Anthony's foot.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and if she we can get right the restitution, and, maybe yeah. get some uh maybe get some players on the
1: uh on Snow the Goalie and Crossing Broadcaster we will sue. Yeah. Do you, listen, uh Val, hi, uh, Russ from Crossing Broad and the Snow the Goalie podcast. Do you regret breaking Anthony yeah. San Filippo's foot? And is there anything that you oh, would like great. to say to him?
0: Rush Joy, you're the
2: one in Bundy's pocket, right? Did not Did Kyle? Kagan put you in a Bjorn. I hate you so much. Here I am at going out of my out of the, my way
1: to uh, the Bjorn identity.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. Identity. Oh,
0: I love me and Big Bet Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Bobby need King. So I can make a. I can make a. a have Craig make a Photoshop of uh, of you and me. Um, Man. before we before we get going, who rings the bell tonight? Game six. Give me your best prediction.
1: Ford, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess I'm Ford. I'm gonna say Ernest Owens.
2: <laughs> Ross. What's the guy's name? Hugh Hugh Dillon. Hugh, Huey. Oh, you got Huey? Huey? Huey Dillon. Yeah, Huey, make, Huey <laughs> Dillon would be great. It you know, would be great. If T great. Swift does it though, <clears throat> that would be absurd. If there's there's T no Swift way. does it, it would, but this feels like Triple H all over again. I don't think I think in her mind she'd be lowering herself to ring the bell. Damn, I do like I I mean, am I I'm wrong? trying to think of a rebuttal, but I, yeah, I the, think the you're the actually bell, kind of yeah. right. She just bell sold is out. Not, yeah, she, she would
1: have to make an exception for that because ringing the Sixers bell is beneath Taylor Swift. We're talking about like a global megastar here. She makes Triple H look like uh Wanda Sykes. No offense to Wanda Sykes.
0: But... Um Craig in the chat says, I think people are saying she's going to sing the anthem, not ring the bell. I don't no you got to get the guy. uh I'm sorry. I forget his name. The guy in the wheelchair. He's got to do it. Yeah. Um, I Forget his name. Fuck. He's awesome. He yeah. brings the house down every single time when he hits that note. And then he goes right, right to the salute every time.
1: Tears. Brooks. Uh, something Brooks, right? Ron Brooks. Ron, Ron Brooks. Ron Brooks. By the way, before we leave, before we wrap um, the show up, we got <clears> to <throat> shout out the late Bernie from Brewmall who mm. passed. Um, Famous 97.5 The Fanatic Caller. Uh, was battling Parkinson's disease. We found out uh, there was an article there was like a profile written about him a couple years ago because he had he had been a frequent like caller to the fanatic and he did all these like skits with them and stuff like that. And then he stopped calling, so people were wondering like what happened to Bernie from Brumall. Last year, uh, Vicente from Ecuador reported erroneously an error that uh, Bernie died. So Bernie called the radio station and said he was still alive, and then he asked how the Eagles were doing. So, um, but this is a Mike Missinelli tweeted yesterday. I was just informed by his son that the delightful Bernie from Broomall has passed away. What a wonderfully kind and genuine man. We had so many fun times on the radio together. I'm saddened. My condolences to his wife and family. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie was a uh, veteran served in the army back in the day. One of the best callers in Philly sports talk history. That's a lot coming from you too. That's when you know it it means a lot. No, Bernie was a real deal, man. He was right up there. We had him on our top 10 list.
2: What's the Mount Rushmore of Philly sports callers? Bernie from Brumo, Jose from Norristown.
1: Linda from Mayfair. They're from Ballot now. Oh, uh,
2: cool. She moved out of Mayfair. Go for her. How about Phil from Phoenixville?
1: How about uh, Phil from Mount Airy? How about Dwayne from Swedesboro? How about Bob from Tennessee? Um, Phil from Mount Airy. Levi might be one. Arthur, correct. Uh, Correct. Correct correct uh no but bernie was a real one man that was fun that was like the height of 97.5 when they, they would have him come in and read like green eggs and ham and shit like that <laughs> it's just like laugh out loud shit man so that's a bummer that he that he uh passed but yeah there's a profile that was done on him if you guys want to read it i highly recommend um go to the crossing broad bernie story and click on the link to the article on the profile of him it's pretty cool he was like a Like ran a butcher shop or something, and then they moved out to Drexel Hill or something. So,
0: Andy from Deford wishes he was Bernie from Brumal.
1: Isn't that ghost? Yeah, Yeah. he's chasing. He's trying to extend those fifteen minutes that I gave him.
0: (laughs) All right, well, that's the show for today. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Russ for coming on. Thanks to Kevin. Thanks to Craig on the ones and twos. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Good luck tonight, Ford. Hope you lose. Uh, Go Sixers, and uh, we'll talk to you Tuesday.